Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Week two of practice is underway. We are just two weeks away from the opener in South Bend. On today's show, my guest is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. As we continue to preview, speculate, and yes, even guess, just what we're going to see when we tee it up for real down in South Bend. Before Aaron joins us on the game day segment, a few news and notes to get us started. On Monday night, Jim Harbaugh met with the media for the first time since practice began. We didn't expect much, and that's what we got. Jim said the quarterback battle is fierce, no starter named yet. He's very happy with the offensive line, the defense, and in general, the whole team and the way they are preparing. In the three years Jim has been here, he has never given out much information before the season, which I suppose frustrates fans and some of the media, but I do agree with him. It's not as if he's hiding anything. There's just so much work to be done, and that's what's going on. Competition, decisions, bonding, making yourself ready for a long season. There just isn't much to talk about right now, and I think that's how Jim feels too. In one sense, I think he's in the same boat as we are right now. He just doesn't know what to expect from his team, but he's going to have a better idea after the Notre Dame game, and then we'll have something to talk about. Up next on my game day segment is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week as we continue our previews of the fast approaching upcoming season is Michigan beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. Great to have you back with us, Aaron. Good to be back, Mike. Well, we know it's week two of a camp underway as of today. We're recording on Monday morning, Aaron. Uh, Jim's going to talk. I think he's scheduled to talk to the media this week, isn't he? He is, yep. Yes, early this week, uh, Monday, Monday night. Well, that's uh, tonight, of course. So we're going to be getting some kind of an update, I'm sure. The question, the number one question on everyone's mind is going to be, do we have a starter at quarterback yet? Would you be surprised if he gives us an answer? You know, that's we were talking about that last week as, as writers. You know, I could see it go either, going either way here. You know, it's, Jim's obviously been pretty close to the vest when it comes to the quarterback situation. You know, obviously last year it came down to, you know, the final week, in fact, the day before the game, I think is when Wilton Spade finally found out he was going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I could see it playing out again like that this year, but same token, too, I, I think, you know, most of us around the program, you know, have this idea in their head already that, you know, Shea Patterson is the guy. You know, there's a reason he, they brought him on. You know, he participated in all 15 spring practices. He's by far the most experienced in terms of starting games and, and playing and, you know, big-time atmospheres of you know on, on, a, on the on the roster um so i could see this going either way you know i could see him waiting again to the final day or final week just to as, to give you know give, i guess michigan some leverage going into going into the season opener at notre dame but the same token too i could see harbaugh kind of you know letting this all go and, and naming shea patterson the guy and kind of letting him ride out fall camp 
um, you know, as the guy. You know, he's still got learning to go, learning to do. He's still learning the playbook. He's still getting um, acclimated with his teammates and the coaching staff and the offense and everything else. Um, but at some point, I think you've got to name a guy and, and you've got to ride with him. I agree with that. Last week on uh, BTN, uh, Coach Donardo, Jerry Donardo, was saying, ideally, as a coach, he was being asked this question, when do you want your starting quarterback named? And he said, you know, if it's a battle, you would prefer it the first 10 to 14 days of practice that you have a starter for a lot of reasons. And he went on to list those reasons. But he said uh, when talking about Michigan, you know, he said, it might be that Jim Harbaugh tells the team and they know behind the closed doors, but he's not going to be making it public. But he thinks even we have to make that decision after the first 14 days. Do you agree? Yeah, you know, and that's something we heard from even, you know, Pep Hamilton, the assistant head coach and passing game coordinator, you know, last season. And then again in spring, you know, Pep had, he said, and, and, and keep in mind when he said this in the spring, that, you know, Shea hadn't been ruled eligible yet to play by the NCAA, but, you know, they he preferred knowing, you know, a guy sooner rather than later. They want to know, you know, at least internally. And you're right, it could be a case where they, they tell the starting quarterback, you know, this week or next, that you're the guy, and he and, and Jim Harbaugh may decide, you know, and may not decide to name him until you know the day of the game or the day before the game. So, yeah, it's very it's very well possible that they they kind of know behind closed doors and they just don't want to get out. Um, they've done a pretty good job so far, you know, since camp started of not like publicizing anything. You know, I, I can remember last year, especially early in camp, at least on you know Michigan social media channels and Facebook and Twitter, they would publish you know short video clips or photos from camps. You know, we're not getting any of that now. There's nothing. So they, they've been pretty, uh, like you mentioned, top secret, I guess, since the beginning. They haven't said much. Been a lot of rehash. And I, I'm curious to see what, what Coach Harbaugh has to say this week. Yeah, that will be interesting. And as you've just said, you guys, you beat writers know, not much leaks from behind the walls of Fort Schembechler. Last week we did hear there was some fierce competition battles underway. Uh, one of the positions mentioned was weak side linebacker. Who do you hear is in the mix there, Aaron, for more playing time? Yeah, they've got really two and three guys there. You know, uh, the, the nice thing about the linebacking core, and, and Don Brown mentioned this when we spoke to him last week, is, is just how deep it is. You've got, you know, Devin Gill seems to be the leader right now. We sign a linebacker. Um, he got most. He, had, he has more experience than the most. The most experience of the three going back to last season. He started. Folks may not remember this, but he actually started the uh, the game, the season opener last fall against Florida. Um, so he's, you know, he's got experience. He played in all 13 games. He seemed to be the leader coming out of spring. Um, it sounds like he's still the leader right now. Um, Josh Ross is a guy who's competing for that spot. And interestingly enough, you know, Don Brown made it, made it mentioned that last week as well that Josh Ross is also kind of cross-training at middle linebacker behind Devin Bush Jr. Um, and that's kind of what Devin Bush started when he came to Michigan. He started a weak side. They eventually moved into the middle. Um, so I'm curious to see what they end up doing with Josh Ross. And then Drew Singleton is another name that's kind of come up. Um, didn't play much last year. Um, he's, he's he's a young, talented guy that I know they like. Um, but right now, it sounds like it's Devin Gill's job to lose. You know, he was the name that came up pretty consistently during the spring, um, and it sounds like he's kind of he's still still the guy right now. Well, some other players we're hearing good things about Aaron, uh, starting with Brad Hawkins at Strong Safety. From what the staff says, he has had an impressive not only an impressive spring, but an impressive summer and start to fall camp. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because, you know, since he came in, he's kind of moved around quite a bit. You know, he was a defensive back in, in high school. He also played receiver. Um, he came in as a safety. They uh, they decided to uh, to move him to the Viper last year to at least give him a look. They, they you know, put him behind Khalid Hudson. He got a little bit of playing time, so he's on special teams, and they kind of messed around with him a little bit there, and then they decided, I guess, this spring, move him back to safety. Sounds like it was Don Brown's call. They, they like his speed and his, his tackling ability there. 
uh, he's so far he's impressed. It sounds like you know Brown was raving about him last week. I think he called him the, um, he, I guess the biggest jump in the, in the secondary of all of all the secondary guys from from last season to uh, to fall camp. So they like what he's doing right now. Whether he gets in the game and, and you know plays much of safety remains to be seen. That position's kind of been interesting because you got two obviously returning starters starters there, um, and and you've got a lot of competition in the secondary. You know I don't see much changing a cornerback um, when it comes to safety. You've got Hawkins there. You've got Gio and Kelly Powell. Um, you got the, uh, the the cornerback transfer from Utah, Casey Hughes coming in. You know he started at cornerback, but it sounds like he's starting in the safety room there. He started 11 games last year, so he's clearly got you know an edge and experience there. Um, but with Hawkins and, and Kelly Powell and Hughes and you know they're, they're pretty deep in the secondary. So I'm, I'm curious to see what things figure you know kind of settle here at the beginning of uh, beginning of the season. Another kid, uh, Don Brown, just seems to gush about his linebacker and help me with the pronunciation of the last name. Is it Josh Uche? Yes, Uche is it. You hear him talking about Josh. Uh, I think in his words, he said he is playing like an animal. Uh, Jim referred to him recently uh, as playing like a beast. Uh, it just sounds like he's ready to maybe have a bust-out year, Aaron. Yeah, and he's another guy who, you know, is he was he had good potential last year. Didn't get a, and he played some, but it was mainly again mainly on special teams. He saw some backup reps at linebacker. Um, but it sounds like he's put on some weight, gained some strength. Um, and you know, Don Brown actually told us the, the funny story last last year or last week um, after the Outback Bowl. I guess Josh went to Don Brown complaining of not enough playing enough. Apparently, he wanted to play more. Um, and, and, Don, and Brown basically told him, like, if you want to play more, you've got to earn it. Um, it sounds like from spring into fall camp, he's, he's Don Brown has said he's earned it. Um, he's, like you say, he's bulked up. Uh, he's, he's improved his, his knowledge of the playbook. You know, they, they liked his pass rushing uh, ability. That hasn't really been a problem. Um, but it was more of coverages and reading defenses that he was still kind of getting getting used to. So I think he's improved there. And I'm curious to see where he, where he figures out because obviously we just talked about the linebacking, linebacker situation kind of being um, figured out. But he, he they like him in a, kind of a hybrid linebacker defensive end role. So it's it's interesting to see where he fits in in terms of different defensive schemes. Obviously he won't be in every down you know, every down linebacker, but he might fit in here, you know, here and there in a different defensive scheme against a different offense. Uh, but it sounds like he's in bleep playing more. Uh, Jim raved about him at Big Time Media Days. Don Brown raved about him some more last week. Uh, he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Well, it seems like the first freshman getting mentioned out of camp is Michael Barrett, who's working out at the Viper spot on defense. It sounds like he might get to contribute early too, Aaron. Yeah, I say all the freshmen, you know, the, the, the incoming class. He he seems to be the guy that may you know may stand out right away. Um, he's a he's a, he's a guy who you know, played both sides of the ball in high school. He played quarterback. He played defensive back. Um, he can run. He's he's got good athleticism. Um, so they they like him in, in different places. And they, you know, when they brought him in, they identified him as an athlete. You know, basically basically keeping the door open to you know playing him anywhere. Um, obviously, they're loaded at quarterback, so that doesn't necessarily work. Um, defend the secondary and defense. We just talked about this, but the you know secondary is pretty much stacked right now. Um, but they like him in that, that they're kind of grooming him for that viper role behind Khalid Hudson. Um, like I mentioned earlier, they they moved uh, Brad Hawkins to to safety, so they they had they got some they got some time there. You know, Khalid Hudson may may go to the NFL next year, will remain to be seen. Um, but they've got a full year now to kind of groom him. They like his athleticism and his his, his speed. Um, so we'll see where he fits in. You know, when when true freshman, it's always interesting because. You know, it, it's going to depend on how quickly they adapt to the offense, how, things, how quickly they pick things up, and they can play at the you know the college speed. You know, people kind of forget forget about that sometimes. You know, you go from playing high school to college, and you know sometimes the, the game speeds up on you. Uh, some guys react quicker and, and 
you know, acclimate quicker and some, you know, take some time. So I think you're going to see him, you know, take some time this, this year in that role. I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't expect a ton of, ton of him playing a ton at Viper, at least in games. But uh, I, he would, he'd be a good candidate for to start on special teams. I think he'll end up there at least early on. Well, again, as we've uh, discussed, uh, there isn't much that really leaks from behind the walls of Fort Schembechler. But are there any other names you've heard about, Aaron, that are, are making an early impression in camp? Yeah, Jalen Mayfield's a guy at the uh, on the uh, the offensive line. You know, we we've talked about the you know the struggles of the offensive line, the question marks of the tackle spots. Um, his name is coming up a little bit at right tackle. He's obviously another true freshman. Um, you know, it sounds you know, going back to media, Big Ten media days in the last few weeks. You know, it sounds like Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff have identified potential starters at right and left tackle. They mentioned John Runyon Jr.'s name at right tackle. They mentioned Joan Bushelbeady's name at left tackle. Um, but there, there are several guys that sounds like competing behind them. Um, so it sounds like it hasn't been decided just yet. A left tackle. We're hearing a lot about James Hudson, the the redshirt freshman from Toledo, Ohio, uh, and then Mayfield. You know, the true freshman from the, the West Michigan Grand Rapids area. Uh, he's, he's got good size. I think he's, he's north of 300 right now. He's got good, uh, good strength. They, they may give him a look. I, I don't know, uh, but it sounds you know, like I mentioned, it sounds like Bush will be the guy at right, or excuse me, Runyon's the guy at right tackle. Um, but it, it also sounds like he's pushing a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised to uh, if you hear John Runyon's name here in the next few weeks. Don't don't be shocked. It sounds like he's impressed. Well, I don't know why, but uh, from the listeners I hear from, one of the most asked questions is will we have an offensive coordinator this year? And I think our fans ask that question because it seems as if everyone else does, Aaron. But it sounds like Jim is just very happy with the collaboration method he's using now, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the term he's been using nonstop going back to, <laughs> going back to spring. You know, I've, I've asked him a couple times now about the, the off-the-corner situation. Uh, he, you know, and others have asked about it as well. You know, it sounds like they're happy with what they've got, right? at least right now. You know, they've got... Obviously, Jim's involved. They've got Pat Hamilton involved, just like he was last year. It sounds like Ed Warner has some involvement. You got Jim McElwain, who has plenty of head coaching and, and coordinating experience with wide receivers. Uh, but then again, you know, it calls in that question. This is something that came up last year with with the struggles in offense. Are there too many, you know, too many chefs in the, in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Are there too many people dialing up plays or, or giving inputs? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, obviously you want input from different sides and you want people speaking up if if things aren't going well. But I think there needs to be that one, one or two, that, that solid, you know, that vision from someone or something. Uh, last year, we obviously the play calling duties were split between Pep Hamilton, Tim Drevno, with Harbaugh chiming in if he, you know, didn't like something or wanted something else. Um, but we haven't really gotten much clarity on who's going to be calling the plays again this year. I um, mean, you know, I, w- I would be shocked if Pep Hamilton wasn't involved again. But then again, what, that where does that leave Warner and, and McElwain? Uh, I remember talking to McElwain when he first got hired. Know, back in the spring, and he, he made it sound like he was kind of he, he was coming in to play second fiddle. You know, he said he called this Pep Hamilton's offense. Uh, he was kind of learning from Pep in terms of you know the, the types of things they do at Michigan and the way they run things. Um, whether that's changed remains to be seen. Uh, but Jim keeps talking about collaboration. He likes the different voices in the room. He likes the different voices with the offense. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I, I suspect we'll get more clarity here in the next few weeks. But you know, knowing Harbaugh and the way he like he's holding things back, maybe not. Maybe not. Hopefully, we'll get some clarity. But I think you know what I think Jim really means collaboration, meaning game planning. You have McElwain, you have Warner, you have Pep, you have Jim. As far as working during the week to set the game plan, because you don't have time during the game to collaborate with all those people. Uh, you have to have one or two people making the calls. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the coaches will sit down during the week and they'll script the first, 
you know, 15, 20 plays out of the game just to see how things go. And, and you saw it work better at times uh, than others last year. And I can specifically remember the, the, the start of the Ohio State game I thought was very well done. Um, they looked very good offensively in sync. And there were times last year where it didn't look in sync at all. In fact, most seasons it did. Uh, so yeah, that you're very right. You know, I would suspect that, I, that all those guys will be involved in, you know, in the in the game planning and in the, you know, the scripting and everything else early on. And then after that, is, I think the question of where, where do they go from there? Who takes the, who takes the lead? Who takes the, you know, the ball and kind of runs with it? Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see here. With us on our game day segment this week, as we continue our previews in advance of the uh, upcoming season in the opener in South Bend, is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. Aaron, in one of your stories last week, you mentioned that Don Brown is doing more tweaking than teaching with the defense this year. I thought that was a good terminology. And he did meet with the media last week, as you mentioned. He seemed just very relaxed. You get the vibe from him that he thinks his defense could be even better than last year. And I think a lot of people agree with that assessment, don't they? Oh, yeah. You know, he in spring, he, he called this the, the fastest defense I think he's ever had. Um, you know, and combine that with, with the depth, and he talked about this last week, but they've got, you know, a ton of depth in the defensive line. If, if happen, you know, if one of those guys happens to get injured, um, they could plug a guy in and, and probably be fine. Um, so between that and you've got a, a ton of guys at linebacker, secondary largely set. You've got, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Casey Hughes and some other guys who could, you can plug in the secondary and be fine with as well. Um, there isn't a ton of, of learning going on. It's more, you know, how how do we get better? How do we improve? How do we, you know, fix the little maybe the cracks in the defense that maybe that they were, you know, uh, showed last year. Um, I know they've, they, they keep mentioning they're tweaking things with the defensive scheme that can help the secondary, because I know there were a couple of times last year where those long balls and, and those deep passes kind of, you know, um, it hurt the Michigan defense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's largely a, you know, how do we, how do we get better? How do we improve as opposed to, you know, how, how are we learning this? How are we teaching this? You know, Don even mentioned back in 2016, I remember how, how good this, was, you know, the 10-win Michigan team, they had a ton of NFL guys on there. He was he came in and he's still doing a lot of teaching. That. This, he thinks this defense is better than that that year. He thinks this defense is better than last season. Um, and I'm curious to see how much better they can get. You know, they were third overall in the country last year. They no one passed defense in the country last year. How do you how do you build on that? And, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that, how it shakes out. Well, if the offense makes improvements, the defense does not have to be a shutdown unit. It can be as good, and if it's better than last year, that's great too. But at quarterback, we sort of think we're going to see Shea Patterson. But the offensive line is the key on that side of the ball, I think. From everything we hear, Aaron, Coach Warner has made a big difference with the big uglies, hasn't he? He has. You know, we've heard a lot about simplification of kind of the calls at the line of scrimmage, uh, less thinking going on. And that was something under under Tim Drevno, you know, and, and Greg Fry. I guess there was a lot of a lot of a lot of standing around trying to figure out what was going on. And you know, you could you could, you know, um, that, that could be because they were very young at the spot. You know, they had a lot of young guys playing last year, a lot of guys rotating in and out. A lot of guys playing positions for the first time. You know, you can look at Cesar Ruiz, perfect example, playing out of position at right guard. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on last year. Um, I, th- I think they realized that they needed to, you know, maybe simplify things and, and kind of, um, you know, put things, um, just make things easier for everyone. You know, one of the things Ed Warner came in when he first came into Michigan, when he got hired back in back in the late late winter, early spring, is, you know, he kind of looked at tape. Looked at all the players in the line and kind of set set spots. You know, he said, "You got you're playing here, you're playing here, you're playing here," and then we're going to go with this simplified, you know, um, almost I don't say dumbed down, but just just a more simple offensive of, of philosophy. 
Um, so they, they've made things easier for the guys. It sounds like uh, things have improved. At least we've been told that, and you know, we haven't seen any of it, obviously. But you know, we spoke with Ben Bredesen last week. He's kind of become the captain of the offensive line. Uh, he spent uh, the summer with the, with the guys. They were kind of going over, you know, drills with one another and learning each other's tendencies and everything else. Um, it sounds like the interior is largely set. You know, Ben Bredesen obviously is going to get to start left guard. Cesar Reeves has moved back to center. I think he's he can be really good here and here with another year or two of experience. Um, right guard spot, it sounds like there's a little bit of competition there. Michael Anwenu, obviously, is the guy we, we thought would start. And I think he's still the leader, but Steven Spinellis is pushing there as well. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you've got the tackle spots. Those are, I think, the biggest mysteries at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not necessarily in terms of who's going to play there, but in terms of whether they can show improvements. Uh, Michigan's you know, pass defense was, was not very – I'm sorry, their, their uh, pass protection was not very good last year. Um, and those tackle spots were one of the reasons. Not, maybe not so much Mason Cole, who's playing out of position, but that right that right side was was rough. Uh, they can they can solidify that, I think, and become you know not even a good offensive line, but maybe a middle of the row um, Big Ten offensive line. I think that will do wonders for for this offense. Well, the next few weeks are tough because everyone that covers the team and the fans will be speculating, playing what if this, what if that happens. One thing is certain: it's year four for Jim, and his record against rivals has not been good, and we all know, even Jim says this, it has to change. So if we could, Aaron, let's take a look at those rivalry matchups and get your thoughts on which team has the uh, the edge in the key area, starting with Notre Dame, who, of course, we will see on Labor Day weekend. The Michigan offense versus Notre Dame's defense. Uh, the Notre Dame D, one of the best units we will probably see this year, Aaron. It is. You know, I, I suspect that game will be a low-scoring one, and I've said this to other folks before, but both these, like you mentioned, both these teams have, have a good defense. Um, you know, knowing what we don't know about this this Michigan offense, you got to give the edge, I think, right now to Notre Dame. You know, um, I suspect the receiver ju- group will make a jump. Um, I, you know, it sounds like they can get better quarterback play. We don't know with the offensive line, but right now you got to give the edge to the, Mich- the Notre Dame defense there. Well, the Notre Dame offense versus Michigan's defense, the Irish have uh, a lot of questions. The offensive line, Notre Dame's offensive line, was considered the best in college football last year. They're replacing a lot of people there, so you would expect they're going to have their hands full with our defense. Oh, absolutely. I, I think Michigan's defensive line, you know, more times than not this year, is going gonna, is gonna to win at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, we've talked about the depth there. They've got, you know, two, two strong defensive ends. Um, I, I don't think they have much problem replacing Maurice Hurst. Um, I think you give the edge to the Michigan defensive line there. Well, it's the opener, and you talk about intangibles. It's it's Notre Dame. That's all you have to say. It's uh, it's under the lights. It's a green out for goodness sake. I don't think they've. I don't know that they've ever done a green out in mm-hmm. South Bend before. But this sure sets up as a, a toss up game, doesn't it? It does. You know, it's one of those games. I think it can go either way, and I think in a way it could kind of set the tone for the for the season for Michigan. You know, if they come out and play well and. And uh, and look good. I think that that bodes well for the future. If they come out and don't look good, you know, especially in the offensive side of the ball, then pe- people are going to start questioning, you know, whether this offense has taken a jump. Uh, but no, I, I think a win would do wonders for for things. Um, and it's almost in a way a similar similar game the way at least the season started last year with Florida. Everyone thought that would be a big tone setter, and it kind of was. You know, they won the game. They started the season four and zero and everything else. Um, but you also got a glimpse of you know some of the the struggles that Michigan had, you know, especially with the quarterback play, the offensive line, everything else. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where we're going to learn a lot early on. 
Um, you know, now, don't get me wrong, there'll be plenty of time for improvement and everything else, but for, for how little we've seen of this offense, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us quite a bit. The next rivalry game that uh, is a thorn in everyone's side, every Michigan fan's side for the last decade, is Michigan State. That Spartan mm-hmm. defense versus the Michigan offense, again, I know it's August and it's very difficult to tell. Who would you say has the edge there? Yeah, Michigan State's got a lot of their guys back. Uh, they look, they play well. They, they always seem to play well against Michigan. Whether you know Michigan State defense is, you know, a top ranked unit or not, they they they, they come out and they you talk about tangibles. And Michigan State seems to have an edge every time they they play Michigan, at least recently. Um, so I think you give the edge to Michigan State at least right now. Like it, and again, I'm going off what I don't know about the Michigan offense. Um, you know, and the fact that it's being played in East Lansing and everything else. Um, Got to give the edge to Michigan State. The, uh, the Spartan offense uh, just improved in leaps and bounds last year, especially with Lewerke, a quarterback. He is a good-looking quarterback. To my thinking, that is where this game turns, Aaron. I agree. You know, I, I think, obviously, Michigan's defense is strong, and I think it'll hold its own. But how, how well can they play against this Michigan State offense? I'm like you. I'm, I'm impressed with Brian Lewerke. I've got a chance to kind of talk to him one-on-one at Big Ten Media Days last month, and I was impressed with the young man. You know, he speaks well. Um, he's... he's you know, quietly confident young man. He he played. He looked very good last year. I think he's he has a he has a bright future. Um, but again, Michigan State also returns all day. Scott, one of their top running backs. They got guys back on the offensive line. Uh, they're they're going to be a, they're going to be a tough tough team to handle. And you know, it being in East Lansing at Michigan State, that that you know, that kind of gives them a, a you know a little bit of an edge there. So I'm I'm going to say maybe it's a it's a, it's a it's a toss up. You know, it can go either way. I think it's if Michigan's defense can can you know, stop working and keep him in check. I think that that's good. Um, but if, you know, he has, he has another big game, then, you know, Michigan's going to, I think, struggle. Well, you talk about the intangibles in that game. It's on the road. I'm sure it's going to be a night game, so you're going to have a, a jacked-up crowd as if it's, uh, if that's, <laughs> that's whether it's noon, 3.30, or <laughs> at night, that's what you're going to get in East Lansing. If you had to guess right now, who would you pick in that game? Uh, I'm going to give the edge of Michigan State. You know, I just, actually just completed my AP poll, and I think I had them above Michigan State slightly. I'm sorry, I had Michigan State slightly above Michigan. But, again, I think we know a lot more about this Michigan State team than, than we do this Michigan team, at least from on both sides of the ball. And I think that's where you got to give the edge, at least right now. Um, you know, things could change, you know, a month into the season or whatnot. Um, but right now, in, in knowing that Michigan State's played Michigan so well in the last few years, they beat them two of the last three games. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to Michigan State. Well, I'm going to throw Penn State in as one of our uh, four chief rivals right now, Aaron. To me, they are. The Michigan offense versus that Penn State defense, which returns just three starters, Penn State, that is, who uh, mm-hmm. who has the edge there, Aaron? I was just going to say, you know, if Penn State team defense isn't what it was last year, um, you know, Michigan struggled off mightily on offense last year. You know, I can remember them, you know, they, they look good at portions of the second half, and then they, you know, the, the quarterback play just, just killed them. Um, you know, I think Michigan's offense stands to do well against this, this Penn State defense. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give them the edge. I'll give Michigan the edge just out for the benefit of the doubt. But again, you know, I'm working with you know limited information in terms of improvement along the offensive line and and quarterback play. So uh, right now, I'll, I'll give the edge to the Michigan offense. Well, Penn State offense versus the Michigan defense. McSorley is back, but there are a lot of new pieces. He lost a lot of his receiving core. Most, I believe, of that offensive line is back, and they have a new offensive coordinator. So that's awfully yeah. tough uh, coming into the big house and putting that offense up against the Michigan defense, isn't it? It is, and keep in mind, you know, Saquon Barkley is gone. He was the one that, that 
kind of lit that Michigan defense up last year. You know, as good as it was, they could not stop Saquon. You know, like he, whether it was running in, in the past, uh, he, you know, he had the edge basically solely on the Michigan defense last year. Um, he's gone, so I think that, that that's good for Michigan, uh, and I think that's. That will give them the edge, uh, especially being a home game at Michigan Stadium. Well, and we uh, again talking about the intangibles. Michigan coming off a bye week before that game. Uh, we've won seven of the last eight in the big house against Penn State. Uh, will we make it eight of nine, Aaron? I, I would think so. And this this is another candidate for a potential night game. You know, they've, they've come up. There've been you know rumors flowing around about a couple games, and that seems to be one of them. Uh, but yeah, knowing what we know about this Michigan team, or and. and you know, with, with Notre Dame not returning everyone on defense, they call it Barkley, obviously gone. Now, this is a game I think Michigan should have and, and probably will win. Well, last but not least of our chief four rivals right now, Ohio State. And by the time these two teams meet, a lot of questions will be answered, especially the big one right now, who's coaching Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. But as of right now, Aaron, as we stand uh, here in mid-August, the Michigan offense versus that Ohio State defense uh who has the edge there in your mind? Probably, probably the Ohio State defense. You know, this is I top to bottom. I think this Buckeyes team is still very good. Um, you know, I think I have them in my top five. Uh, I think they're still the best, the best team in the Big Ten. Um, you know, this game is going to be in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, a lot of questions right now, obviously, with the Michigan offense. I think by now, you know, by then, obviously, we'll have things hashed out in terms of, you know, whether or not Shea Patterson ended up being the guy, whether the offense had improved. Um, you know, and whether the, the offensive line can still hold itself up. You know, I can, you know, last year, in fact, I just got done running about this, but a lot of the, the offensive linemen are, are bulked up. They're bigger and, and stronger now. Um, and that was a problem at the end of last season. You know, they had trouble moving guys. They had trouble uh, protecting. And by the time they got to, got around to the Ohio State game, and I think you saw it, but Michigan played so well in the first half, um, even well in the third quarter, and then thing, and the, the gas kind of ran out of the tank. Um, so I think Michigan stands, you know, a better chance. Um, but again, with you know not knowing the the Ohio State coaching situation, but the, the effect they have so many guys back. Um, the game is in Columbus. You know, Michigan Ohio State has dominated this series in the last 15 years. Uh, I'm going to give that edge to, to the Buckeyes. Well, the Ohio State offense versus the Michigan defense. Uh, JT Barrett's gone. There are still so many moving pieces back in that offense, though. So how do you think Don Brown's D stacks up against the Buckeyes? There are, and I think that's where, right now at least, I, I want to give the edge to the Michigan defense because you don't know about the, the Ohio State offense so much yet. Um, I'm sure they'll have things figured out by then. You know, Urban Meyer's teams usually do. Um, you know, they've got a lot of talent there, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think this is this is where the Mich- I think Michigan stands a chance. If they can keep themselves in the game, uh, limit the Buckeyes in, in kind of moving down the field and scoring, then, uh, then I think they put themselves in, in, a, in a position. You know, whether or not it's, you know, like last year where they – you know, they, they remain pretty much within a touchdown or even up you know, for part of the game. You know, through the entire game remains to be seen. Um, but, no, this is where I think Michigan can kind of close the gap and, and keep it close there, there in Columbus. Well, as far as intangibles uh, in that game, Aaron, there are too many to mention. Uh, but for Michigan, I think the tide has to turn sooner or later. I saw the question is uh, going to be, will it be this year in Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, and I think that's where this Urban Meyer unknown kind of comes in. You know, if he ends up coaching, then I think all is fine. And, you know, Ohio State turns out to be, you know, you know, a top five team like many of us think they're going to be. Um, but if something else happens, whether he, he doesn't coach this year or misses part, part of the season or whatever, then I think, you know, that's going to, I think it can change everything. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, if, say, you know, he doesn't return to Ohio State, then 
there's a ripple effect, I think, on the team, the staff, the, the recruiting aspect. I think it has a changes the di- dichotomy of the rivalry with Michigan. Um, a lot, a lot of things would happen. So it's, you know, it's just we're just so far away, and there's so much unknown on, on both sides with every with so many of these um, these factors. It's it's tough to say. Um, but you know, right now, knowing what we do know, and, and the fact that Ohio State has dominated, um, you know, you gotta go, you gotta give it to the Buckeyes. Well, the schedule is brutal. We all agree. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, this is the fourth year of the Jim Harbaugh era, and as Charles Woodson said. It's time to win. Is this the make it or break it year for the Jim Harbaugh program? That's a good question. Um, I, I think, yeah, yes and no. If if they come out again and you know struggle offensively, struggle with the offensive line, and put up another eight and four regular season, um, I think you're going to see some folks kind of questioning what, what's what's happening. You know, I, I think Jim Harbaugh may question himself internally on whether this thing is going to work or not. Um, but whether that that forces Michigan to do anything, I, I don't you know I don't see that happening. Folks have asked me a lot in the last you know, six months or so, whether Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat. And I, I always respond with the same, the same thing. And I said, no, Jim Harbaugh will never be on the hot seat in Michigan. Uh, you know, they like him a lot. You know, the program has never been better. Ticket sales are high. TV ratings are through the roof. Um, interest in the program remains high. Uh, and then you got, and then you look at, you know, the alternatives. If you do get rid of him, you know, who, who's there to replace him? Who, is there anyone out there that's actually, you know, better than Jim Harbaugh? Uh, he's a good coach, you know. He's he's done a fine job at Michigan, but at some point, I think you got to you got to break the glass ceiling. Um, now, whether that, you know, means beating Michigan State and Ohio State this year, I don't know. I think Michigan can get away with a ten and two season, another loss to Ohio State, and I think things will be fine. Um, I do think they need to beat at least Michigan State. That's got I think that's got to happen. I, I think they've got a good shot too, um, but they've got to win at least one of them. And I think that they can do that. Uh, they can show that things are, are back. You know, they can get another 10-2 season, get uh, you know maybe a New Year's Day bowl game. Um, I think the most fan base would be happy with that. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, the fans want to win over Ohio State. It's been apparent for a long time now, and I believe me, I get the emails all the time. Um, but Ohio State's, you know, they've got a, you know, they got a top five program. They've been good, very, you know, almost every year with with Urban Meyer. Uh, I think you're gonna need to put together a couple of solid seasons back-to-back for them, I think, to have a shot to, to stay and, and compete with Ohio State on a regular basis. Well, a final uh, question for you, Aaron. A story that popped up over the weekend, the Nike shoe or apparel story about the uh, the administration at the University University of Michigan looking into whether any of the players or athletes uh, were selling their shoes that ended up on an exchange. I'm not even sure I understand what who it is that's selling these things. Is that something that a story that has legs? You know, it's, it's possible. It, it popped up over the weekend that it sounds like the same shoe retailer exchange. It's a website called StockX.com. Okay. Um, they they reported uh, getting shoes from other programs, Michigan, Marquette, uh, California, were the other three. Um, now the only question becomes, you know, whether or not those shoes that were sold were sold by current players. Um, because you know, player once players are off scholarship and out of the program, they can you know very do whatever they want with those shoes. You know, these players are given you know multiple pairs every season. Uh, you know, in fact, some of them have probably new shoes for almost every game. Uh, so they've got a lot of shoes sitting around. Um, you know, StockX reported uh, having multiple pairs of Michigan shoes on the market. I think they said uh, the most gro- the highest grossing shoes on the website were 13 pairs of Jordan brand. Uh, Fab Five version shoes. So whether or not those are basketball or football, I don't know. Um, but it, it sounds like there's a lot of Michigan shoes floating around there. Now, 
you know, I spoke to Michigan spokes, spokesman over the weekend. He, he made a point of telling me, you know, it's not just players who get these shoes either. It's, you know, it's Michigan alums, it's, uh, executives, you know, people close to the program. Now, the number of shoes that are, are dispersed are, are limited. I think he said between anywhere from 200 to 250. Um, and a lot of times they're labeled and everything else. So they kind of know who's getting these shoes and they can kind of track them. Um, but it's it's careful to point out here that their Michigan isn't, isn't assuming at this point that, you know, it's current players that were doing that. It could have been a former player. It could have been a, you know, an executive. It could have been, you know, some some rich booster. You, you don't really know. Um, but that's why the um, the compliance office. It sounds like is investigating and looking into it. Uh, and if they they do find, uh, you know, possible, um, you know, players that were doing that, then I, I assume they're going to self-report themselves to the NCA, just like uh, just like North Carolina did. Our guest today has been beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. Always a pleasure to have you with us, Aaron, because it means the start of the season is right around the corner, and we look forward to having you back as soon as we get things underway. Yeah, I'm getting close, Mike. Thanks thanks for having me. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, no news on the injury front, which is always good. In other news, though, Coach B is home and recovering from his recent bypass surgery. He is still expected back at 100% when practice officially gets underway in October. In the meantime, his team will be heading to Spain next week under the direction of assistant coach Sadi Washington. Freshman center Colin Castleton broke his hand in practice recently and will not be able to play on the tour. The docs say he will be 100% when practice gets underway. Next week, my scheduled guest is going to be Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit. This is Cody's first year covering the team. He was Oklahoma's beat writer the last two years, so it's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say. So mark that on your calendar, Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit, as we continue our previews next week. Thanks again to Aaron McMahon from M Live for joining us today. He'll be back during the season several times, so we look forward to having Aaron back again. That will do it for another edition of The Michigan Man. Next week again, Cody Stavenhagen will be with us, and believe it or not, it's going to be our final preview show before the season gets underway, and I think by then we'll all be previewed out and ready for that Notre Dame game. It can't get here soon enough. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Thanks for tuning in. And make sure you tell your friends and family about the show and join us again next week. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!